On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's GA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and even though it's a bank holiday Monday, we've managed to rouse some of the best GA minds in the country for another great show. A little later on, we're going to hear from Mead manager Andy McEntee, Kevin Olin of the Herald, and Clare legend James O'Connor to discuss the weekend's action. But first, I'm joined in studio by Rory O'Connor of Rory Stories. How you doing, Rory? Good, yeah, good, Will. Well, well, you actually sound pretty good for a man who just came back from a stag in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, come home there yesterday. I was over there in my own, uh, my own stag. Uh, uh, you know the crack that goes on there, like... Um, Your last weekend of freedom, is that what it felt like? Yeah, yeah, uh, certainly enjoyed it anyway. I uh, had a good group, about 30 of us over there, and uh, there was a lot of actually stags there and hens and that from, from, Ireland, or from Ireland, I suppose, but uh, I can tell you a few stories off air, and I'll keep it clean enough on this, so... Uh, I was going to say, you're lucky that your voice is gravelly enough at the best of times that you can probably get away with not even people knowing that you were on a stag. No, no, yeah, well, if, I suppose if they see me, it might be a different story, but uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I certainly uh, I certainly enjoyed myself and uh, going to have the old-fashioned uh, old, old fair now for a couple of days, so uh, keep the head down. Like. Yeah, were you able to do your preparation for our Monday podcast at such a busy stag? Um yeah, I I I I, did, I won't lie. I didn't see the Sunday game last night. I had to go up first thing this morning and watch it. Um, so I, I I've gotten I got to see the Dublin and Carlo game in a pub in Liverpool. Um, uh, probably not in the greatest state of mind to be taking notes watching the game, but uh, I've seen enough of it anyway. And I got to see it in the Sunday game and I seen the hurling yesterday. I had a couple of points in the local scene. And league. like obviously Carlo, you know, held them to a twelve point victory. You know, I know before the game you said, Does anyone want to take their son or daughter to see Carlo lose by twenty points? And yeah. I think you got some tweets from some yeah, angry yeah, Carlo fans. Yeah, the Carlo uh, supporters weren't happy with me. Like I suppose I, I wore it wrong. What I meant was um a more competitive game is what you'd be looking to bring your son to see rather than um, you know annihilation but in fairness to Carla whether I was the motivation or not I doubt it very much I don't think they really give a shit what a, a comedian thinks about about their opinion or whatever about their going ahead but I, I was very impressed with them and just their work rate was very good um, so hopefully I might have inspired one or two of them maybe Yeah the big thing to come out of the game was obviously the Jeremy Connolly incident he, he's such a targeted player uh, you know, he's obviously had a lot of run-ins with disciplinary issues like red cards, black cards, what have you. This was probably a new one even for him. He seemed to put his hand on the linesman, first jabbing a finger in his face, then kind of slightly pushing him a bit. What was your take on the situation? Yeah, um, well, as I said, we came into the office straight away. Um, 
we, we we spoke about it. Um, I, I like listen, Conley knows I'm sure he was wrong. The way I look at it is just the whole twelve weeks, three months out of action. Um, for as I said, he was being held back with three Carlo lads. Um, you know, it's a passion. It's all you know. He's a passionate lad, I suppose. I know he goes steps out of line, but. Just the manner, I suppose, putting his hand on him wasn't exactly is going to be worth three months. I've been in games and seen games where lads have gotten if it digs in the head and they've gotten less ban. Um, but I suppose it is what it is, and he is going to have to serve the three months. Yeah, we're going to listen to what Pat Brown is saying the Sunday game. What does he expect teams are going uh, to do with him? You probably bear, you get a reaction. You prod Dear McConley, you antagonise Dear McConley, and you always get a reaction. Look, bottom line, in his defence, you can say the linesman didn't bring it to the referee's attention. You might point to the fact that perhaps the referee didn't see it. But look, you had a similar offence in a club match with Evan Comerford, the Tipperary well, goalie lately. Similar. You, well, it was a minor physical. It was under the same was, thing, and it was minor physical do appearance. You know what he did? A minor into physical interference with a referee, which is as, as well, stated here. Well, so it looks like twelve weeks. Yeah, so potentially facing into a twelve-week ban that we think, if it was enforced, would mean he could play in the semi-final if Dublin go through the front door as they are expected to. Like, it's an interesting kind of fallout to the whole thing you've you've had some people Tommaso O'Shea's been defending him Shane Lowry coming out as one of his high profile backers but I think a lot of people just think obviously that putting your hands in the official like you mentioned there you know you see people punching people in the face in club games but that's player on player and there is a different set of rules and there should be for officials like you can't take the law into your own hands you can't prod like an official with your hand even if it wasn't a huge push like the issue with Connolly has been ongoing what you just can't seem to understand is how Jim Gavin has let this thing fester over four, five, six years like it's been happening before he came but Gavin gets a lot of praise and rightly so for the way he's gone about his business with Dublin but you're just wondering is he indulging him too much is is there a kind of is he being read the riot act after incidents like these is someone from the management team pulling him aside someone in the leadership group to really take him to task because this happens again and again and again black card after black card after punch up after incident after incident everyone is tired all the top players are targeted but this guy just can't seem to keep it under wraps even in a, a nothing enough game against Carlo over a bloody line ball he still loses the rag yeah that's what I would worry about uh, from Jim Gavin's point of view is, is going is going forward the fact that you know he um, he couldn't control himself against Carlo as you said but I still like I, I, in my own opinion is like it's, it's, I'm just looking at the three months for what he done like I, I, obviously you have to respect um the officials and of course there is young lads who are at that game and we don't want them you know going down to matches in under 12 and, and pushing the referee around the course now but it's just it's just a manner of it like it's more like I know he can't have handbags with a linesman obviously but it's just like I wouldn't even say it was an aggressive push um, and a mead person obviously going to defend any kind of active physicality in a football match no but you can't if, if I'm a mead man I'd say yeah Conley throw the book at him get him out of there but like from a mead man's perspective and I said like you know you know, me, Dublin have the rivalry, but it just goes to show you, like, you know, I could easily slay Conley, but just my opinion on it, I just think the manner of it, um, you know, with, with three months said he's going to face what he done, but again, it does go back to um, keeping him, you know, Conley, uh, as Darrell Shea said, if you pull his tail, he's going to he's gonna snap, and he is, he keeps proving people right, unfortunately. Like. Yeah, prodding the bear, pulling the tail, there's a lot of ways to antagonise this guy, but I think it comes down to it, I think this long band could actually maybe do him good, or maybe it might finally get him or even the management team or the leadership group to kind of get him into a room and really just 
get him to face up to his immaturity, his impetuousness that hasn't abated, even though he's been playing in the county football for 10 years. He was getting sent off at the start of his career. He's still getting sent off. Like someone like Bastic, who at the start of his career, he used to get sent off all the time. He was able, obviously he wasn't targeted exactly like Connolly was, but he was a player who used to get sent off regularly that as his career progressed, was able to kind of, you know, calm down somewhat. Connolly's always going to be targeted. He just needs to deal with it better. Like there was no need for him to be in the linesman's face after that. It was a, nothing nothing play really to raise your hand like, that wouldn't even come into so many players that wouldn't even come into like another player's head to even go up to a linesman approach him like that raise his hand put your finger in the linesman's face the only interesting thing is the linesman didn't draw the referee's attention to it or didn't kind of issue any kind of sanction at the time yeah well as I said does that mean um, I suppose Kieran Rannigan thinks himself there was nothing in it that you know it's like ah, it's grand don't worry about it. like if that was at the club game and say ah listen don't worry about them, it's fine. Like after the game, go up and say sorry about that. I lost my head. Okay, don't worry about it, it's fine. So that's the fact of the matter is that it wasn't, uh, you know, they didn't, the referee wasn't called over and said, that's disgraceful. He pushed me. I don't know. I'd like to know what the linesman has to say himself about the incident. Um, that's probably Dublin's only slight hope, the whole technicality that it, it wasn't the referee's report. Or will it be? We don't know. Um, but Connolly's like, he's a flamboyant player. Like, he is what he is. There's been loads of sportsmen over years that have lost a rag. He is what he is. He, when he's in the zone, in my opinion, he's as good as anyone. He's as good as the Gooch. He's as good as Canavan. He's unbelievable. He just has this streak in him. Um, is he going to walk? Is, it, is a 12 month ban going to change term with Connolly? 12 weeks. Or 12 weeks, sorry. I don't think so, personally. Uh, he's liable to do it again, but that's what he, he is what he is. Um, when he's on song, as I said, he's incredible to watch, but there's always that part, as Darrow Shea said, he, he is liable, and I don't think he'll change. Like, yeah, people say that sometimes a great player like that, like Ernera Cantona, it's that bit of madness that kind of makes them an yeah, overall kind of great player. Without a doubt, like he has the madness in him. I've seen him play with Vincent's. Uh, you know, a bit, he's gotten in rows like against likes of Bally Moon and stuff like that, but. It's the edge he has. I don't think he'll change. Like uh, I'm just raging because I love watching him play personally. Like, now I hope, um, you know, from a Meads perspective, that if we were to go to the Lansing final, it's great that Connolly isn't there. And let's be honest. Finally, you show your true colours. Yeah, but it would be great. Call a spade a spade. I want me to win Leinster. <laughs> and I know it's it's very hard even getting off Clare. It's going to be hard. But he, he's still, in, as a footballer man, watching Dermot Connolly in the zone is classy. He's brilliant to watch. And that's why I'm raging that we won't see him now for what... You say to all Ireland semi final potentially, so it annoys me, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, and it might make the Leinster Championship more interesting, certainly. Uh, obviously, Mead had a great win against Loud yesterday, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Andy McEntee, Mead manager. Andy, it was your championship debut on the sideline yesterday. Obviously, Mead racked up 27 points and got the win. Big positive, but I suppose the maddening part for a manager is you can see three kind of unusual goals against the run of play. Yeah, I suppose it, it started maybe at, 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 in the warm up when when uh, when James uh, aggravated a hip injury that he's had, so we had to we had to change things pretty much straight away. And uh, thankfully enough, James Talk came in and he did, he did a very good job. It was uh, he, had, he had a very decent game. Yeah, we, uh, did you have a chat with Paddy O'Rourke about uh, the second goal? Because it, it seemed like a bit of a weird one we were watching on TV. Yeah, I haven't spoken to him about it. I'm, I'm sure he's aware how weird it was. Uh, I, I'll find a quiet moment and we can have a chat about it. Look, I, I don't, I don't really know what happened. It looked to me like he, he just lost his bearings and uh, maybe, maybe his idea of where the goals were 
was slightly different than uh, what was actually the case. Yeah, I read an interesting interview you gave over the weekend where you said you pretty much presented the same proposal you gave to the county board this year about almost 10 years ago and they deemed it maybe a bit too too radical. So you've obviously been preparing for this role for a long time. Now that you're in it, you've had your first championship game under your belt, you're up against Kildare next. Is it progressing the way you hoped it would? Uh, I, I, I don't... I, I wouldn't have had uh, any any definite path for it for it to progress I think I think it's definitely progressing. Uh, you know, you know, obviously everyone would like things to progress as quickly as possible. I mean, one of, one of the one of the basic requirements was that was that you produce a panel of players that are physically capable of meeting the demands of 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 the uh, of the way football is played today. And I think, uh, whereas we mightn't be the finished article, we're, we're certainly getting that way. Rory, obviously, you know, you've played under Andy. How do you feel he's done with your county so far? Yeah, well, we were speaking about it earlier. Like, um, I, I know I know the man and I know the calibre of the man and the work that, you know, he, he will require off the me team. But I'm just from from a me, me uh, supporter, like, I think Andy's right about the work rate. I mean, even, like, I, I couldn't make the game yesterday because, as I said, I was away in a, st- a quiet stag party. But... <laughs> Um, but gee, I've been at a lot of league games, and as Andy said, the the, the physical shape the Mead lads are in, um, in, 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 now there was a lot of work done with Mick O'Dowd, of course, but I just feel there's a bit more um, forwards, the likes of Bonnie McMahon, just looks that bit, you know, more sturdier and not easily pushed off the ball as I would I would have presumed he was over the years. Like, and if you can get that with the likes of the pace he has, I think he's going to cause a lot of trouble. Um, and Biggie Riley, like you know, like he is. There's no one better than him carrying the ball off the shoulder. Um, like every Mead supporter, like I'm just gonna hold my praise for Biggie until we meet Kildare. And um, when there's a lot more physicality in the game and a lot more lads trying to provoke him and hang out of him, and then like I, I hope Biggie will bring his A game, and then we're gonna give Kildare a serious match. Like, yeah, Kevin. Uh, you know, how do you think Mead have progressed under Andy? Like, uh, Leinster has been a bit of a foregone conclusion last few years, but Kildare and Mead, whoever comes out of that. The way Dublin are playing, they might fancy their chances of springing an upset. I know that they would, and if there's any county that has come every now and again to put Dublin back in their boxes, it was uh, it was Mead and I, Jerry, Jerry, Andy or Jerry McEntee don't need any uh, lessons from me on the history of the rivalry between Dublin and Mead, and both teams have a game to go before any, any meeting between um, Dublin and Mead, and and I think the Kildare. Mead match will present both teams with entirely different challenges than they faced yesterday. Two teams that seems to be in um, exceptional physical um, condition. Both teams with an awful lot of pace, physicality. And I suppose the thing that from what I saw of the Mead match yesterday would be something that Dublin would have impressed on their teams um, when Pat Gilroy took over. And it was as simple as work rate, work rate, work rate. And I saw a lot more... Um, effort from me yesterday across the entire team and fellas coming off the bench than I've probably um, seen in a while. Yeah, Andy, I guess when you came into the job, the expectation was that hopefully you'd be able to close the gap on Dublin over, I don't know, a period of time. But already it looks like yourselves and Kildare are both in a pretty good place to actually challenge them, Gavin's Dublin. Oh, look, I mean, I, I don't know if we're quite in a position yet to challenge them, but I mean, that's... Look, that's that's the challenge that that lies ahead of everybody. I mean, you're there, and everybody wants to do the best. Uh, you want to you want to measure yourself against the best. And uh, Dublin have been the pace setters for the last number of years. So, uh, I guess until you play Dublin in, in the White Eater battle, it's uh, it's very hard to to measure just exactly how far you've come. 
Yeah, I suppose. And if you do end up playing Dublin, Dear McConnelly mightn't be involved after the incident over the weekend. Just as a manager yourself, how do you deal with a character like Connolly, who, although he is immense talent, just keeps getting involved in these sorts of incidents? Is it hard to strike the balance between keeping a player around who's obviously so talented, but also laying down the law so he knows he can't step out of line like that? Oh yeah, but look, I mean, I think I think everybody is human. You have to you have to expect. Uh, my own my own playing career uh, would have been dotted with a few incidents like that. So I mean, you know, you get uh, you know what you get from Dermot Connolly. I think I think there isn't a manager in the in the country who wouldn't like to have a few Dermot Connollys on their team. Yeah, but, um, sorry, Andy. Just um, you know, I've obviously given Connolly abuse over the years with videos and taking a piss out. But I I, I feel for the lad here. Um, I was just saying, Andy, you know, yourself in club games, many times have you been involved or on the line in a game where a lad has boxed the head off a fella and got six weeks ban um, and Connolly like from where I did the Carlo lads were dragging over and he's only human as you said why he a battle he went over to the ref and he poked him and said it, it's your job or whatever he said <clears throat> now no rules are rules Andy but like three months for that considering what certain lads will get uh, a one match ban for like do you know like would you simply yourself or Connolly Look at Rory. The, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, I understand where where the authorities of any sport are coming from uh, when when they insist on protecting uh, linesmen or officials or referees or whatever. I mean, you cannot have uh, anybody challenging. Of course, I mean, look at you know yourself over the years <laughs> you've seen and heard me challenge in humor enough times uh, and I've got myself in trouble enough times but uh, I suppose what, what people are saying what everybody will be saying is you know we know what happened to Nagini in the past we know what happened uh, the Tipperary goalkeeper uh, it, it, it looks it looks fairly black and white I, I mean you know it's nothing uh, it's nothing personal but uh, I suppose when you when you lay a hand on on official, you can expect uh, the full force of the law, and I, I, I'd imagine the GAA would probably have their hands tied in this one. Yeah, Andy, we were just talking to Rory before you came on about his time playing under you. I, I don't know what your memories are of coaching Rory. Was he a bit of a handful? A nimble little corner forward, so he was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we used to have these regular phone calls when they'd be asking them exactly how much did you eat or how much did you drink over the weekend, Rory? Well, as uh, I was saying to lads, Andy, your, your theory of my playing days were um, if I had a good game, I I was fit, and if I had a bad game, I was unfit. <laughs> <laughs> and my diet had to change whenever I had a bad game. So um, Andy, Andy used to... Uh, uh, I suppose as he said himself like if you're 17 stone you're playing midfield like I don't think that's acceptable and Andy had a range of bleep test and I think Andy what were you in your mid 40s at the time and I was about 21, 22 and he purposely would kill himself to stay <laughs> in the bleep test until I dropped out beep and then I would I'd be gone and Andy be gone at the firewall and then I get a phone call Rory I'm 45 years of age I can't be beating you in a bleep test as you know yourself Andy you're a fit old 45 year old so you are <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't the worst. Sorry, no, you weren't too bad. No, he was. Uh, he was a fair handful for anybody in the middle of the field, and uh, we had a couple of good years together. Yeah, good days. Was he tougher to manage than some intercounty players, or what was he like? Not at all. Uh, not at all. What 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 you saw is what you get with Rory. One hundred percent effort all the time. 
uh, as he said, not easy carrying 17 stone around the pitch. Uh, but he always he always give a fair attempt to us, and uh, he uh, he uh, we we had a couple of good days together. We 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 won a we won a championship together in a couple of leagues, and he he was very very much part of that team. Yeah, I suppose um, I was telling the lads before anyone. I was just we were, I was we were speaking about your level of commitment. I asked from any team about the time you won all Ireland volleyball. And I said, from my experience, the club won intermediate for the first time in fifty years. Um, and you think that the dinner dance will be a big session on the hula blue? But Andy told us that no one was allowed drink um, because we had a Leinster club that weekend. And of course, young lads being young lads, and myself being myself, we went for a few beers and ended up in the nightclub. <laughs> And I got a very un- uncomfortable phone call off yourself about commitment and, and where we need to be at. And I suppose I was just telling the lads that that's why I I, I don't think Anton is um, Anton's impossible for me this year with yourself in charge without blowing smoke. But um, you know when 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 you told me Bally Bowman were going to win all our, or the Dublin Club Championship, uh, I do believe I laughed at you. And uh, Bally Bowman went on to win all Ireland Club. So uh, <laughs> um, let's just see if we can get over Killeen. and you never know what might happen. Well, look at that's that's the uh, that's the next step. It it uh, you know it's the same. It, 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 people will probably probably say me than because uh, they're uh, possibly on the same trajectory at the moment. Uh, obviously, they're a step ahead of us. They've been into Division One, so uh, it it'll uh, it'll be a big game, and uh, it'll be up to both teams, I suppose, to to uh, to bring their A game. It should be an interesting battle. Yeah, and just it's, it's on in Tullamore. I think. Did they say that to, yeah. today? Yeah, and I think that's great atmosphere wise as well. To be some instead of a half, a, you know, empty Crow Park like Tullamore, be some buzz. Like I would have been good to have a double header though. You know, before the Dublin semi final, I thought the two games would have been good together. No? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we were we were certainly under the impression that the game was going to be played in Crow Park. Uh, we haven't played a game in Tullamore this year. Uh, need people driving through Kildare to get to Tullamore. Uh, I'd I'd uh, I'd be I, I was surprised to hear. I mean, I was I was of the impression all along that the game was going to be in Crow Park. Yeah, with well, the way two, both teams are going, they kind of deserved that showcase before the Dublin match. You would have thought. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think uh, I'd be. I think the way both teams are going, you get a decent crowd in Crow Park for for me and Kildare on a Saturday evening, standalone fixture. I think I certainly think you get a decent crowd there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, so his last question is: What was suppose are your expectations? You know, you've had a good start in the role. Leinster semi final coming up, like as an All Ireland quarter final, like you have to, do you have targets like that, or you're just kind of going going at it one game at a time? Look, I think every everyone likes to come out with the cliche of going at it one game at a time. I'd, I'd uh, I mean, our, our, our uh, everything we've done so far is on the line now against Kildare, and uh, it'd be it'd be foolish to look at anything past that, really. Andy, thanks very much for joining us and thanks for uh, telling those old stories about Rory. <laughs> Not at all. I, I only told you the good ones. There's a lot more besides that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, on a bar still, Andy. Not over the hell of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not over the national airways. I know Rory. No, no, no. Thanks very much, Andy. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, Andy. Take care. Well, Kevin, I suppose, you know, I, I briefly mentioned you there. Leinster does look a bit more competitive this year. I know you can't really read into Dublin versus Carlo, but there is a sense that we might actually get a Leinster final kind of reminiscent of some of the ones maybe even under Pat Gilroy when the games were a little closer or under Paul Caffrey oh very much so I think um, if you were to look at it from this perspective of Mead or Kildare um, there seems to be a new vibrancy in both counties 
um, over obviously Mead and the entire new management team and uh, Keane O'Neill in the second year with Kildare I suppose the the McEntees are so synonymous with Mead and all that they, they seem to have like the public support for Mead seems to be coming back it's, I don't think that Mick O'Dowd um, certainly in his last year had to, had the Mead support really uh, back in him he tried to change things in Mead football that didn't seem to go down well and some of the same principles, I think, are being made more, being cemented more so under under the McEntees, and they they certainly um, look like a, a coming force again. And Andy McEntee has talked an awful lot about John Coughlin that they got back from China, um, their strength and condition and sprint coach, and you could see his work in evidence yesterday as well. From a Dublin perspective, I suppose their training program has changed this year that they've. Um, hope to be hitting peak performance August onwards and maybe that makes them more vulnerable in Leinster and also that you know they have um, had a considerable number of injuries over the year, over this year I know there's good strength and depth in the Dublin uh, panel but at the same time there's certain key players that probably aren't playing up to what they're capable of at the moment and others that are carrying injuries plus the fact that um, they're hitting so many blanket defences they don't seem to be able to play, play with the great freedom that they once did um, so it remains to be seen like what, 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 what teams to throw at Dublin tactically and how they respond Yeah Rory I get the sense that like Cork hurling fans a couple of weeks back Mead fans are waiting for one big win just to be like we're back and kind of get that all bullishness and swagger back with them yeah, what's like, the mood in the county? Uh, it is good I don't, I don't think uh, yesterday was that you know what I mean we were expected to be loud uh, loud are, are, are a good team and you know I'm sure they'd love to get one over on, on us but I think Kildare is the big one. Like, um, I, I 100% couldn't even dream of looking at a Leinster final. Kildare, in my opinion, are are a very, very good team. Um, I've seen them in the league um, against Navin, or sorry, Navin, um, against me in the league, and I was very impressed. Um, spoke earlier about their midfield partnership. Uh, Tommy Mullock and, and Feely are outstanding midfielders. Um, both great feelers of the ball. And like I said, with Paddy O'Rourke, um, tends to kick a lot out the middle. Like, I'd worry there a little bit. Um, but Mead would just love to, I suppose, get over Kildare and, and have even a sniff of a chance of, of, of giving the dubs a rattle. But um, like I said, it's all about Kildare. Kildare, uh, I'd imagine our favourites, you know, they're in Division 1. Um, and like I said, they're a very, very good team. They hammered, hammered Leash yesterday, so I think uh, it's going to be a great game. Well, yeah, Dublin, I think the lowest margin of victory under Jim Gavin Lencer was seven points in the Lencer final in 2013 against Mead. But like it's shaping up that we actually could get a proper cracking game you know, they're a division one team now yeah. so they, they could well come up and you know pin them pretty close yeah well like at the end of the day like this, this Dublin team is, is it is one of the greatest ever but how much hunger can be there like you look at Clare and me they they have to be starving and on any given day if you have 15 lads who are working their arses off to, to, to track back will it be in Dublin's stomach you know um, whoever it is Clare and me to want another Leinster that much knowing deep down that you know we're not out of championship can still come back and win it um, I don't know I don't think you, want to, you can question Dublin's stomach to win trophies like they, it'd be a lot it's tougher to go through the back door for Dublin they might end up playing Carrier Mayo in the, in the quarters yeah I suppose, the I suppose it is what it is but they are only human you know and, and like listen again I'm not questioning I don't I, I still think Dublin will win a Leinster this year um, but as you said I, I, I don't think it's going to be by a cricket score like I don't believe you I think you think me they're going to win it you just don't want to admit it 
Well, I'm, I'm known as a jinx myself, so I'm not saying that in, in them regards. That's why I think Dublin will 100% yeah, uh, no. win the Leinster and All-Ireland. Uh, no one will go near them. Come on, yeah, jinx and powers. I, 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 I get my voice analysis machine out. You and Annie McIntyre sounded very confident on the phone when you were conversing there. I really think the mead bullishness is back. They're just hiding it at the moment. Oh, that's, that was the heart coming out of pair was thick mead, man. Like, but um, I, we know how good Kalera are. Again, I'm not, I don't even want to talk about Dublin. I think Kalera. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're doing now. Like, you're just loving mead Dublin, but no, I think Kalera going to have a lot to say about it anyway thanks for our lads now it's time to talk hurling with Jamesy O'Connor Jamesy did you enjoy your county's win over Limerick yesterday yeah um, look I think if you're a clear if you're a clear man it was all about the results and uh, you know you could have won that game by 12-15 points and you're a favourite headed to Munster final so it's plenty to work on got there and that was the key you know yeah I'm actually going to start by reading out a few quotes from your old manager Sherlock Nan who uh took a maybe a different view to maybe a f- few of the other people. He said, only the most deluded of supporters would have enjoyed yesterday. If anything, Clare looked like they've gone back to where they were before. They were atrocious in so many aspects of the game. Their puckouts were brutal. Their free-taking was a mess. Their ball-winning ability was non-existent. Pretty scathing stuff from Jur there. I, I presume you maybe didn't take such a critical opinion of it. No, Will. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Jurris Jer- is... Um you know, Jerry's, a journalist once said about Jerry that he was incapable of uttering anything other than good copy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, listen, that, that's his take on it. And I think Jerry, look at it, there's, there's a bit of a, a glimpse in his eye probably when he's, um, you know, when he's hitting the keyboard with those, with those words. But there is, there is an element of truth to it. I mean, um, listen, for me, it was all about the results yesterday. And, you know, I think there was huge pressure on the players look at to get to the Munster final because our record in Munster has been, has been deplorable. Um, but, like, we did miss five uh, frees uh, we missed the penalty, um, and you know to win all Ireland to win Munster championships, you know you you have to be kind of ninety ninety five percent from from dead balls. So listen, the scope for improvement there, and I'm sure David Reedy or Tony Kelly or Conor McGrath or whoever's taken the freeze the next day would have, you know, certainly worked on it and and, and made sure that that that, that situation isn't going to reoccur. And um, the puckout strategy is certainly a cause for concern because, you know, if it's Waterford Unis, they have a lot of ball winners, and. Um, you know, in, in, in both the half-back line and half-forward, and that definitely would be a cause for concern. Cork maybe aren't as, aren't as good in the air, but Cork could cause, pose the problems in, in, in other areas. How do so they rectify the puck-out issue? Because like, their players aren't maybe the tallest guys, in, you know, around of the other teams. Like So how do they kind of strategize to make sure they can win more ball from that area? Well, I think, like, Andrew Fang, like, clear three goalies in the panel. Each goalie got two games during the league. I think that was the, 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 the way the management wanted to go about it. And Andrew Fahey, who started yesterday, his distribution in some of the league games that I saw was outstanding. Now, you know, I don't think he was as accurate as he's been in, in, in other games or in some of those earlier league games um, yesterday. And I'd say he himself will, will know that. But they just have to find a way, I suppose, looking to, if they can't win the ball cleanly in the air, that at least we get it to ground and we stop the opposition winning it cleanly. And if it's on the ground, well, then, you know, it's 50-50 at that stage. Mm. Um, but, you know, like, like, do you look to go short? Do you look then to try to, um, you know, to, 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 to play a kind of running game, walk it up the, walk it up the field? Um, I, I don't know, but listen, you have a clear management team that, that that's that's very smart, very intelligent. It won't have been lost on them. They'd have looked at the stats. They'd have looked where it went wrong. And they now have five weeks. That's the positive thing. They have five weeks to get it right for the Munster for the Munster final. But look at I think if you're a clear if you're a clear supporter, the key thing yesterday was was coming out with a result. But I don't think anybody in Clare is deluding themselves that listen, there are areas that are going to have to be addressed if we're going to be genuine other contenders. 
Yeah, you mentioned the two lads there. Obviously, it's a lot different this year with no Davey. You know, the team was the centre of attention all the time when he was there. When people usually hear of two managers in charge of a team, it doesn't usually end well. But what, why do these? Why does Donald and Jerry, why do they work well together? What do you think they bring that works so well in tandem? Well, I think the fact that they've been together so long um, and there's a genuineness about both of them, I don't think there's, there's any ego there. Um, it's about, you know, what's best for player, what's best for the players, what's best for the best, best for the team. And I suppose this, I mean, I haven't worked with either of them, but I'm, I'm sure at the same time that there is probably a, you know, a delegation of duties and that they both have different things to, um, to, to, to bring to it. And, you know, their track record speaks for itself. I mean, they, they took clear to a couple of months for minor titles and, you know, they, they won obviously the 321 of Ireland titles. And there's massive respect, I think, you know, amongst the players, you know, for, 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 for what they bring to it. I mean, they both have very, very busy jobs in their professional life. So they have to be very, very efficient with their, uh, with their time. And, um, I think it's just a constant, you know, strive for improvement, uh, to make the thing, uh, to make the thing better. And, you know, listen, so far, you know, any new management team, I think is going to bring a certain freshness to it. And, uh, you know, I, I think you can see that in the squad at the, uh, at the moment. And as I said, listen, it's, it's five weeks to so Munster final now. You know, they will be analysing, you know, the video from yesterday's game this morning, trying to see, okay, where can we find, you know, the percentages that we're going to need to find if we're going to beat Cork or Watford in five weeks' time. Yeah, it's funny, like, this, this one victory has already gotten Clare as close to an All-Ireland as they have been since winning it in 2013, because they're now already in the quarterfinals as well as the Munster final. Are they realistic All-Ireland contenders? How do you see them kind of progressing when they do play either uh, you know Cork or Waterford but the thing about it is if it's Waterford and you know if you were to ask me to, to toss a coin now and say who do I think will be in the Munster final I, I'd, I'd probably come down on Waterford's side Waterford would be it'd be like ourselves in 95 they've lost the previous two finals now if you're a player the, 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 the very thought of losing three consecutive Munster finals in a row um, you know is, is a serious proposition um, and I know certainly you know I, I referenced in my column I think yesterday that there are some games that you simply can't afford to lose as a player and Watford would be you know hugely um, motivated going into that going into that Munster final um, and I, I think Watford would, would, would certainly with the, with the ball winners and the physicality they have in that team um, you know would pose those particular problems but I think then we pose them a different set of problems with, with some of the players that, 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 that we've got um, Cork again with the pace and attack that they've had, they have again, you know, defensively they might be as strong as Waterford, but in attack, you know, and our half back line maybe, and the lack of pace in some in some aspects when it was exposed yesterday, they will they, they will pose the problems. But I still think when you players like Conor McGrath and Shane O'Donnell and Tony Kelly and you know and Colin Galvin, you know, if you can get those guys on the ball. Uh, you have the firepower, the creativity, and attack that you know that you can you should cause problems for teams. And I don't think anybody would relish playing Clare or take Clare for granted um, in the championship. Are they the real deal? Yes. Are they are they fully where the management team would probably like them to be? Probably not. But uh, listen, we won by five yesterday. Um, we missed a penalty and five scoreable frees. Tony Kelly didn't score from play. Uh, Conor McGrath, you know, and Pat O'Connor played no had no game time during the league and probably still have more, um, you know, to bring in terms of even their own fitness and their contribution over seventy minutes. So, listen, I, I think we're in a, we're in a really good position. I'm, I'm not 
you know, convinced as I said that we're 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 favourites to the Ireland or anything like it. But uh I think the team will improve and kick on from yesterday. Yeah, it's it's interesting. What's the kind of the mood in the county in the kind of post Davy era? Because when he was there, you know, with the under twenty one success, every year he was on the line, there was an expectation of an All Ireland win. It seems like the team is maybe the expectations is lessened slightly or if they're they're still there, they're not being talked about as much. Like how do people in the county feel about the team now with the two two guys in charge with Davy gone? There's there's um there's really a feeling that you know they were certainly entitled to a shot at it because uh, there would have been huge regardless as in the county for them given this was the success um that they had at underage uh, underage level and they were they were certainly entitled to to to, to their shot at it and I think um you know, I think hardly people in the county are are, are 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 you know fully behind them though and you know so there was a certain level of frustration um over the last couple of years particularly the tactics I think and 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 you know the sweeper system that we were we we were probably going with. Um, you know, and I and I was probably one of those people that felt that you know, in a way, we were negating some of the strengths that we had because, you know, when we played a sweeper, the opposition invariably had an extra defender in front of O'Donnell and McGrath, and I, I thought, in, in one sense, we were blunting some of the sharpest tools that we we have at our disposal. Um, so I think the fact that you know we 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 played, I won't say you could hardly describe the, the way Claire played maybe as orthodox, but certainly a more orthodox formation. Um, you know, I, I think it plays for our strengths more. And I think, you know, the Clare hurling public, I think, are, are optimistic about things. I think at the same time, they're realistic. The primary reason we haven't had the success of them back in 2013 uh, in, in the last three or four years is because they haven't been good enough. Um, but I think there's there's a feeling that, you know, with Tip's defeat by Cork, this championship has suddenly completely opened up and is as open as it's, it's, it's been, arguably, in the last 10 years. And if we can improve... Um, listen, who knows? We, we might be that far away. Yeah, you mentioned Tip there. Obviously, that shock defeat to Cork really did blow it wide open. What did you make of kind of the fallout to the defeat, like the dropping of Cahill Barrett, all the rumours swirling around the camp? I know when you were playing with Clare, was, there was a lot of scrutiny on you guys too, but what did you make of what Tip have gone through over the last week or two? Um, I'm not shocked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that's, that's flying around, uh, there was uh, similarly in our day, there was you know, rumour and conjecture and all this stuff, particularly after defeat, and most of it was nonsense. Um, now, Michael Ryan obviously didn't take the decision to drop Cahill Barrett lightly, um, and that's an internal matter, and I suppose they have their, their rules and regulations and their disciplinary code, and obviously he transgressed, and Michael Ryan doesn't strike me as a guy who's, who's going to mess around, and he made the call on it. Um, whether the door is open or not for Cahill Barrett remains to be seen. You'd imagine, if you're a Tipperary supporter and, and trying to analyse it, that he's the type of guy that they, they probably can't afford to be without. Um, but it's up to him to, to fix what he needs to fix. Obviously, to recover from that knee injury. And as I said, if he, uh, if he can convince Michael Ryan that he's something to offer and he's prepared to, to toe the line, but then, you know, he may very well be back in the Tipperary panel before the, season, uh, before the season is out. I think, you know, when you look back and analyse the Cork game, they, can, they created four really good goal chances um, that they were taking last season. I mean, they missed two really good goal chances inside the first five minutes. Had either of those gone in, suddenly it's an entirely different game. Yeah, last question, James. You will clear would be the Munster champions this year? Um, I think they have a great chance. I, I, I think they will really kick on from um, from from yesterday. I, I think it could it, it could very well come down to who they um, who they play, but they won't fear, nor should they have anything to fear from either Watford or um, Watford or Cork. Um, I, I think if Watford get there, though. I think the fact that they've lost the previous two, I think it becomes a must-win game for them. And you, you just feel with Watford that you know the time is now that they have to win silverware. Um, if it's Cork, 
you know, I, I think our chances improve. But either way, I, I don't think we'll be far away or I don't think there'll be much in it. Okay, Jamesy, thanks very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. No problems, Will. Okay, all right. Cheers. Rory, I know you watched the hurling game, I think, after a blockbuster stag at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I was only uh, back from um, from my own stag in Liverpool, so uh, when I comment too much, the one thing I was going to say to James there, it was great to see, I suppose, uh, Shane O'Donnell back that sparkling form, like uh, especially the second goal they got, like that bit of pace to cut inside the full back line was great to see. Um, I think he's fairly spot on there, what he said about uh, what it seems to be Waterford set up for Waterford after losing two months of Champions in a row. Um, now, not writing off Cork or Clare, but I do think Waterford are definitely in a great position to go on and win that uh, Munster Championship. Yeah, Sean O'Donnell has kind of been played by injuries over the last few years since he got that Ireland final hat trick, but he looked just back to his best there, yesterday. Yeah, but it's just that um, bit of sharpness, like when the ball broke for for the first goal, just to have the thickness to just smack bang, like before you know anyone else had a, had a chance to get in, and then you know uh, he got an outrageous, he got a nice point in the first half as well. If I remember, he spun off his man and poked it over, it was classy. While we're on the hurling, there was one thing we wanted to talk about, and that was the Sunday game yesterday. Henry Shefflin had a great way of, or well, great way. He had an unusual way of describing what how Clare players might be celebrating after yesterday's win. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I watched back this morning and, and uh, he goes, you know, if, you, if you're, um, <laughs> if, I actually just laugh and thinking about it. If, if, uh, if you're a Clare supporter now, you're definitely entitled to have a biscuit with your cup of tea and this on a bank holiday Sunday night, like. Yeah, even Des <laughs> Cal, who's in his 60s, was giving him a bit of a look, like, really? That's yeah, that's yeah, it? yeah, you know, and I suppose it just goes to show he's the greatest ever, Henry, and like, if that's the level it takes. Um, Is it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's not too many men now that would, would probably um, commit to that uh, a biscuit as a celebration. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of Clare supporters now are having uh, maybe disc, biscuits dipped into point support or whatever, but it definitely <laughs> wasn't dipped into the tea anyway. But uh, no, I thought that was funny in the Sunday game myself, yeah. Well, cheers, Rory. And thanks so much for listening this week. That's all we have time for in the throw. And if you'd like to subscribe, you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on independent.ie. We'll be back next Monday to go over all the GA action. So until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.